I am um, one of those persons like Miss Sharon, who um, I love music, and I love to sing. And I hope that you never have to endure being with me in a car, like most of my family, when I'm singing a song that I really like. I'm one of the biggest hypocrites in the world when it comes to this. If you get in with me, just be ready for singing. If I get in with you, I probably won't tell you, but I'm probably rolling my eyes like, really, come on. Um, and I really, in moments, I like country music. Um, not so much like country music of today, though there's some things that I like today. And not so much like Merle Haggard and Waylon Jennings. and all, you know, I'm not like some purist, but kind of late 90s, early 2000s, um, a lot of country music that I like. And one of the guys that I like the most is a guy named Brad Paisley. And one of the things I like about Brad Paisley's music is that he has a way of kind of taking things that are common human experiences, setting them to music, and, and usually there's some humor involved in what he's singing about, which I appreciate. And one of his songs in 2003, the song is called That's Love, okay? And the song is about the struggle that husbands and wives often feel in their relationships with each other when perhaps one spouse asks a question that's maybe sensitive when you're trying to answer it. Let me give you an example of some of the um, lyrics. He says, there ain't a woman in the world that wants to hear the word yes when she asks if she looks chubby in this dress. Okay? If she works all day, you better eat it with a smile even if it tastes like bad gravy on a Goodyear tire, right? So it's like, this is delicious. Thank you so much for all your hard work. And then he kind of turns it on men, because men, we have our own egos that need to be kind of taken care of from time to time. And he says it's kind of like when she doesn't bring up the 15 pounds that you need to lose, or when she runs her fingers through your hair, and she says that she kind of likes the way that there's not as much of it there. Something strong and masculine about a bald-headed man, Right? And it really touches on one of those ideas. And so he says, it's not a lie, it's what? It's love. It's not a lie, it's love. And there's a way in which spouses are, are smart and wise to lean into that kind of communication, in part because hopefully our marriages are founded on God's covenant love for us and not kind of these outside things that are kind of cultural signs of attractiveness or um, what someone's looking for in a spouse. So it's okay that every now and then if Mary says something kind about me, that maybe isn't totally true. Maybe that is, in some instances, love. But there's also a part of communication with other people where the most loving thing that you can do for them is to tell them something that may be hard for them to hear. The most loving thing that you can do for them is to tell them something that may be hard to hear and usually, most of us are not really great at that part of communicating with other people. And so often, there are things that we know that we should address, things that we know we should bring up. But rather than have that hard and um, what we call it awkward conversation with people, oftentimes we dance around things rather than doing um, the hard work of having a conversation with someone because we love them. So Proverbs 27, I love the way that, um, I love the poetic nature of these two verses. And, and I read it in the ESV and it says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. 
Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Now, most of us, initially, we hear the word rebuke, positive or negative connotation there? Usually negative, right? We kind of recoil at the idea of someone rebuking us. Because there's a part of us that we just, we would rather be affirmed than rebuked in something being pointed out. So, but better, writer of Proverbs says, is open rebuke than hidden love. Now, what is, what is hidden love, do you think? Hidden love. I kind of had these verses rolling around in my head all week. And hidden love is that time when you and I are in relationship with someone and we love them. Okay? Uh, this is not just a relationship where we kind of have a casual acquaintance or we know someone where we kind of just... But this is someone that we know and that we love. And when we see them on a path that is not leading them into God's plans and provisions for their lives, that God's purposes will be fulfilled. And you and I love them, and we are saddened, and we're burdened by that, but we, rather than stepping out and doing the hard work of saying something, we just hide it. So the writer of Proverbs is reminding us, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And then he says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now here's the thing that that you and I struggle with sometimes to live into the wisdom of Proverbs as it relates to relationships with friends. Is that quite honestly, you and I live in a current cultural moment where, where it's hard to develop friendships. It's hard for you and I to have relationships with people that we are close enough that we would really call them a friend. I want you to think about this in your own life right now. I want you to think about if you had to do this exercise and I gave you a sheet of paper and you had to write down the people in your life that you would consider a friend. Not an acquaintance, not someone that you kind of know, maybe not even somebody that you share a tailgate with or someone you see when you go into the lake, but a friend. Somebody who knows you intimately, someone that you know intimately, someone that would know you well enough and care about you enough to know when it is in your life that you're veering off of God's path and they would love you enough to say something about it. And here's the thing, you and I live um, in a time where technology is really, really helpful for us in many ways. Um, here's an example. Um, if you had to figure out how to do something tomorrow, say something that you don't know how to do, what's your first, what's your first way to figure out how to do it? What are you going to do first? Google it or go to YouTube. Right? You can learn to do pretty much anything, even some really terrible things. You can learn to do anything on YouTube. Now, is that a good and helpful thing? Well, sometimes. But the flip side of that is that, that you and I used to live in a world where if I didn't know how to do something, my only option was to do what? Ask somebody to help me. And in asking somebody to help you do something and them coming and showing you, inherent is that, in that is this relationship. Where like Mark talked about going on a mission trip with a group, one of the things that happens when you go on a mission trip with a group is you develop deeper what? Relationships with people. 
And you and I live in a moment where we just don't rely on each other like we should. Last August, I moved to a new house. It was the first time that I've ever moved using a moving service. You think I was happy about that? You're like, trick question. Brad's like, 100%. Yeah, like a part of me, 100% happy about that. But what's the drawback to that approach to moving? Every time up to that point that I moved, I had to call a bunch of people that I know, and they had to be willing to give a Saturday of their lives um, to move things and break things and scrape their knuckles together to potentially like break their backs together. But in that moment, we, we had shared history and relationship as we were doing those things. Like you don't really know someone until you've like dropped their piano. And at that point, it's like, how, what are we going to do with this, right? Or you drop some vase that was important to them. When you're doing stuff together, you build relationships. And so it really is the case that from what little bit I read, I think sociologists say we're, we're in one of the most kind of lonely times in human history. That yeah, it's great that we can use FaceTime to connect with someone across the country or even when we go to South Africa for a mission trip. I remember being blown away the first time of like, oh yeah, we don't need calling cards anymore. All we need is Wi-Fi. We can FaceTime everybody for free. So there's so many things that I'm glad about in technology and how it enables us to move and maneuver through the world, but there's also a trade-off to that. That one of the things, if I had to call you on a Saturday, and I was like, hey, I got to move something heavy. Like, it would almost be like me just thinking, oh, hey, I know that you probably don't have time to do this, but it feels like such an imposition now to like reach into someone else's time and ask them to help us. And because of that, you and I get more and more isolated from each other. We have fewer and fewer meaningful friendships. And so fewer and fewer people know us well enough to pay attention to our lives and know when it is that we need to be rebuked by somebody. So one of the first things I just want you to take from this passage is the importance of developing meaningful friendships with other people. Each of you could have woken up this morning and you could have streamed this service, couldn't you? But you made the effort to get dressed and look presentable. I told you last week there are going to be cameras everywhere. Gave you a heads up. This guy's shooting a video over here, right? There's this idea that you got dressed up and you came in part because in-person worship matters. And if we know each other well enough, I can look at you and I can know that something ain't right. Can I? And you can look at me and know that something's not right. But it only happens as we make the effort and the sacrifices to be in relationship with each other. And one of the most important gifts we give each other in the church is friendships and relationships. So, a friend, faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. I sat with that one this week. How many of you would uh, enjoy being affirmed in life? I know I do. Um, just last week, Splawn family was driving home from church, 
And I was like, y'all, I think that was a pretty terrible sermon. I think it was pretty bad. We were kind of debriefing on the way home. And one of my children, who is, who is wise beyond their years, you know what they said? We're shutting this down. This conversation is going nowhere fast. I was like, you're right. Because all I'm doing is just like fishing for affirmation, right? Just looking for somebody to tell me how good I am. Or I did a good job. And, and you and I, we're hardwired to be drawn toward positive feedback from others. And there may be a point in your life where you were headed down a path that wasn't God's will for your life, obviously. That perhaps it was in direct contradiction to God's word. And there are people in your life, it could have been your parents, who loved you enough to say, we're not doing that. But you can always find a group that will give you affirmation, can't you? You can always find a group that come alongside you and like, yeah, your, your parents, they know nothing. Right? They're just trying to keep you back from what really will satisfy you. And all along your path in life, you're always going to be able to find people who will come along and affirm you in whatever direction it is that you're headed. And some people, those who would be enemies of you, those who would really secretly love to see you fall, might even be the ones that are there cheerleading you the most as you're headed down that path. Here's the thing. When you fall, where will those people be? Nowhere to be found. And there you'll be, um, dealing with the consequences of the poor decisions that you made along the way. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. It's better for someone to openly rebuke you than it is to see something in your life and hide their love by not telling you what you need to hear. So in addition to you working hard to develop friendships and relationships to be known, I also want to encourage you to develop the kind of courage and character in your life where you would be willing to speak truth into someone else's life. I would, I would venture to guess that in a room this size with this many people here, that one of us at least thinks of someone in our life that could use some truth spoken into their lives to help them. Is that right? And in that moment where you're trying to decide, am I going to say this or not, one of the things that can hold you back the most is your need for this person's approval or friendship in your life. I've been trying to read more um, stuff by people who are deceased, more books and things. And I'm reading a book by St. Augustine, and one of the things, the points he makes in the book is that as you and I, our hearts are happiest in the Lord, and we're satisfied more and more in him, then we don't need the approval of other people nearly as much. And there's this weird thing that happens in our relationship with other people that, that sometimes we're using them for our own joy and acceptance and purpose in life because ultimately we're not happy enough in God. And rather than being able to love that person, rather than being able to say something that might um, cause friction in our relationship, that might ultimately turn them away, you and I remain quiet because we're so scared of losing that relationship. And I think that ultimately goes back to our lack of satisfaction in God. That if we have God and his approval and a relationship with him, we can be courageous enough to step out and say something that might be hard. 
Now, here's the thing I want you to do before you do that. I want you to pray about it and make sure that what you're saying is not motivated out of your own sense of jealousy or your own sense of being vindictive in that person's life. One of the things in the book of Proverbs that it talks about and it warns us about is talking too much. So some of us, we just like to talk just to talk. And some of us, we just kind of go on and on, and we might say something in someone's life that really isn't wisdom from the Lord. It's just what we think in that moment. And your words are powerful. So to say something negative in someone's life should be a real measured thing that you do with a lot of prayer and thoughtfulness after developing a relationship with someone. I also want to challenge you, if someone rebukes you, I want to challenge you to be patient in how you respond. In that moment, when someone gives you some wisdom on maybe a path that you're taking that's not a part of God's will for your life, part of your response might be to be um, to bow up a little bit. Have you ever been there? Somebody said something to you, and you you feel it kind of automatically, maybe if not physically, that it's, you feel it in you. In those moments, just encourage you to to be patient in how you respond. It might be that that person's wrong. Maybe that person doesn't know what they're talking about as they're rebuking you. But I think the the wise and the humble thing is to walk away from that and be prayerful and like, is there truth here? Maybe talk to somebody else who knows you well and say, do you see this in me? Are you concerned about this part of who I am? And then if it's the case that the Lord is using that person to rebuke you in a godly way and call you back, then I would encourage you to thank them for the courage to love you enough to talk to you that way. To love you enough to, to point you in the path that the Lord would have for you to know. I remember one of these instances in my life. Um, I was pretty sure I was a sophomore in high school. High school is a tough time, isn't it? It can be tough. I'm glad so many of you didn't know me when I was in high school. We're such better friends because of that, I'm sure. But when I was in high school and I was growing up and I was trying to figure out in my own mind, like, what what does it look like to be a man? Or what's masculinity look like? And one of the things that I picked up as I was watching and kind of lived into like a foolish person was language that I shouldn't have been using. Okay? And I remember this almost like it was yesterday. His first name is Kevin, but we called him Hoover. That was his nickname. He drove an old um, Ford Taurus station wagon. And for some reason at 44, I remember it like it was yesterday. And we were going to football practice, and Hoover was giving me a ride. One of the great things about Hoover's car is that we had, or he had, like 12-inch speakers in the back. Oh. I hope one of my kids wants a good sound system when they grow up. Anyways, and we were driving, but I remember sitting there in the parking lot, and I was just like, you know, saying something. And Hoover, with wisdom beyond his years as a junior in high school, just kind of looked at me and was like, what are you doing? Right? Like, that's, that's not the person you are. Why, are you. why are you talking like that? And it was one of the most hopeful kind of like kind things anyone's ever done for me looking back 
to say something to me that, that initially he could have just encouraged me on my way, right? He could have just turned his head and not loved me enough to tell me what I needed to hear in that moment. But I look back on that, and I'm so grateful that he did. So I just encourage you in your life as you're seeking to be a wise person, seek to develop meaningful friendships with other people. Allow yourself to be known by other people and not just have acquaintances. And when they speak into your life and they tell you things that you need to hear, be wise in your response. Evaluate what they say. Ask other people to give you wisdom and perspective. And then if it's true that God's guiding you into a path where you need to change things, then, then thank them and thank God for their, for their love for you. That they loved you enough not to hide it. That they were able to give you faithful wounds of a friend. And then be willing to be that person for other people. Be willing to be in relationship with other people well enough. And be careful of people who always talk well of you. Pay attention to those people. Maybe that they don't really have your best interests at heart, but they're just kind of insecure, or ultimately they wouldn't care to see you fall. Here's my parting shot from Proverbs. I've been thinking about this week that ultimately um, Jesus is the person who lived most fully into what it looks like to be wise. I've been brought back to Philippians chapter 2 a lot over the course of this sermon series as we're thinking about humility, as we're thinking about entrusting ourselves to God's plans and purposes in our lives, as we're thinking about our words and the importance of them. And what probably should have been obvious to me all along. I mean, I've been to seminary for crying out loud. The Lord just kind of made evident to me that, that, that if you want to look, if you want to see what it looks like to live a wise life, focus your eyes on who Christ was in his earthly ministry. And all the things that you and I don't get right, he did. And so as we look to Jesus so often, he shows us what it looks like to be wise in this life. I'd like if you would to pray with me. God, we thank you for the gift of your word. We thank you that you love us enough to tell us the truth. That apart from faith in Jesus, we have no, we have no hope in this life. And we have no hope in the life to come. But we thank you for showing us of our, about our sins, for pointing us to the Savior in Jesus. And I pray that you would give us hearts, that we would look at each other, that we would be willing to do the hard work to be in meaningful relationships with each other, that we would be kind and gracious and guided by your Spirit, but that we would also be willing to be truthful with each other. And Lord, that you would use us um, to be loving and to encourage others as we can. We love you and we thank you for your love for us. And we offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen.